Hello and welcome to Teacup, where the topics are always hot and the brew is always fresh. I'm your host and content creator, Jeremy. I believe truth, knowledge, unity, and pride are essential to the success of any community. The Teacup endeavors to serve as a haven in which people from all walks of life can unite to promote wellness in society. The views expressed in this broadcast do not represent those of my employer or our clients. I am not a licensed counselor, psychiatrist, or psychologist. This show is for enlightenment and entertainment purposes. Now, sit back, relax, and enjoy your cup of tea. Hello, hello, and welcome to the teacup where the topics are always hot and the brew is always fresh. I'm your host, Jeremy, and your content creator, too. <laughs> I'm honored to be joined by Sherry Kaysen. Sherry is the mother of a son who has been diagnosed with autism. She has a unique experience, and so I want to hear her story uh, of dealing with this particular disorder. Ms. Kaysen, welcome to the show. Thanks, Jeremy. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. I'm, I'm definitely honored to have you. Um, so tell me a little bit about yourself. Where are you from? Um, I am originally from Winston-Salem, North Carolina. Um, I grew up in Winston-Salem. Um, I now live in Greensboro, North Carolina, um, with my husband and our three kids. Um, we have an eight-year-old, a 10-year-old, and an 11-year-old. Cool, 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 cool. So tell me this. What uh, what what exactly is autism? Because I, I think that a lot of us are familiar with the word, but we, we're not familiar with that, with what that disorder entails. Right, right. So basically what autism is and, and basically the umbrella that they put all the disorders that fit into the autism spectrum disorder is what they call it. So there's a lot of different varying degrees of it. Okay. but they all fit under what they call autism spectrum disorder. Gotcha. And basically what it is, is it's a neurological and developmental disorder. So basically it affects the brain. Mm -hmm. And so it affects um, the way they develop. So okay. they have developmental delays. Mm -hmm. um, it'll also affect um, their social interactions with people, um, how they communicate and their behavior. Gotcha. Um, so, um, like I said, there's varying degrees. Um, there's high functioning autism. So there's um, there may be children or adults that can talk. You may not really notice. They may just seem um, like, let's say, Asper Asperger syndrome is mm -hmm. a high functioning. Um, part of autism spectrum disorder. Ah, so, okay. So now that's a good point because I, I thought that Asperger's and autism were mutually, I thought they were just different. I right. They and they used exclusive. Right. And they used to um, distinct, they used to be just, you know, separate. Um, but a few years ago, they decided to group it in because it has a lot of the same behaviors as autism. So other than they are very high functioning. Mm -hmm. So, you know, they do well in school. They have very high IQs a lot of times. Um, 
the only thing that you will notice different is their social interaction. They gotcha. may not be great, okay. great with that. And they don't take social social cues well. So um, let's say when everybody's laughing at a joke, they may not. Or okay. so, um, they may take things very literally. You know, sometimes mm. we, we say things and we don't mean it literally, you know, but they will take it very literally. So let me like, ask you this. Let me ask, mm-hmm. let me ask you this. When, mm-hmm. when did you notice a difference in your son's behavior? Like what, when did you notice it? And like, what were some of the warning signs? Um, well, let's see. So my son's behavior, I probably noticed it around about 18 months, which is normal. It's typical to notice the differences around about toddler age, you know? Um, somewhere in between 18 months to three or four years old, you'll notice some differences. And I already have, I have a cousin who has autism. So I was already very familiar with the, you know, the, the symptoms of autism. So gotcha. I started to notice those in my son. Now your child, you'll take them for a well check, well child checkup every year, right? Right. And every year the doctor has you fill out a form that says, you know, are they saying they should be saying, you know, 10 words by now or they should be doing this by now. And what will happen is sometimes with children with autism, like Mm -hmm. with my son, is he would start talking, but then he regressed. Mm. So he started talking and he was developing at a normal pace. And then all of a sudden he stopped talking. Now, how old is your son now? Now, my son is 10 now. Okay. And, and so let me ask you this. At, mm-hmm. at this age, what are some of the characteristics that you're noticing? So right now, so um, you know what? Let me talk about some of the typical characteristics, and then I'll tell you what his characteristics are now, like some of them that he's grown out of. Sure. So normally uh, a child with autism spectrum disorder, they have a problem with eye contact. Mm-hmm. Um, so normally when you're talking to someone, you look them in the face, um, mm-hmm. you can call their names. They won't respond. Um, when you're talking to them, they won't look you in the eyes. Um, mm-hmm. they don't respond to loud sounds. Like you can literally snap your fingers beside their ear and they won't turn towards it, which normal children do. Um, Mm-mm-mm. they echo or repeat things. Um, my son, um, back then he would repeat words like if you would say a phrase he repeated exactly like you said it very robot like robotic you know what I mean Mm, 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 um mm. so children sometimes they like to be around other children but they won't play with them so it's called parallel playing and they won't play and they have their own space and they don't want other children in their space so Um, so that that brings me to my next question and I and I know you I know you you have a lot of experience with this. So if I'm interrupting, I'm not trying to. It's just that I'm oh, trying no, to make fine. certain. Like when you say something, it just kind of brings me <laughs> into another question. Like okay, um, so you said that he he parallel well he or at least he used to parallel play. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to know, does he feel different, and do other children treat him differently? Right. So that is a great question. So when he was younger, you know, his behaviors weren't as obvious to other children, you know, Mm -hmm. because kids don't notice that they just they play, 
they don't really care how you play. They just play, right? Right. Um, the older that he gets, the more contrast there is between a neurotypical, which is a typically developing child, um, gotcha. a neurotypical child and him. And mm-hmm. the older that he gets, kids start having questions or they'll say um, he's mean or um, things like, you know, what is he doing? And I have to explain to them, you know, you know, he does things a little differently sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Sometimes he talks and he does talk now, whereas he used he didn't used to. He okay. talks and some words are still not, you know, you can't understand them gotcha. all the way clearly. And we're working on that with him because he's always just wanted to talk. <laughs> now, see, now that, that, that gives me another question. So I, mm-hmm. I wanted to know, uh, number one, are there are are there preventative measures that can be taken to avoid autism? Or is that something that you just like you're, you're just born? Either you have it or you don't. And then the, my second my follow up question to that is what are the methods of treatment? Okay. So basically the short answer to that is no, there are no preventative measures. Um, They don't know exactly what causes it. Um, They do know it can be linked um, genetically Mm -hmm. because um, a person that has one child that has autism spectrum disorder is Two to eighteen percent chance has a two to eighteen percent chance higher of having another child that has autism mm-hmm. spectrum disorder. So they know it is hereditary, but okay. they they don't really know what causes it. So gotcha. um, now it can be treated. They can't cure it. There's no cure, but it can be treated. And some of the mm. treatment is now. It's important to note that early intervention is key. So the sooner you know the faster you can start getting them help and the therapies that they need. And trust me, it makes a world of difference. Mm. Um, so generally there, if you can get early intervention services, which is, it happens between birth and three years old, mm-hmm. they can start getting them speech therapy, um, occupational therapy, which is therapy that um, helps them with daily tasks, like brushing okay. their teeth and, you know, things that helps them in their daily tasks. Um, also, um, there's therapies that help with social interaction because um, earlier I did say that that is one of the symptoms of having autism spectrum disorder is that you have problems interacting with other people socially. You don't mm. really they don't really respond to social cues that we do, you know, that the neurotypical people do. So you can get help with that for your child. Um, and then another option is medication. So some children. um it affects them like they have severe behavioral um, problems from having the autism spectrum disorder. And so sometimes medication can help with that. And it can also help them focus and do better in school as well. Gotcha. So let me ask you this. What are, what are some of your, like you you talked about treatment, right? But Mm -hmm. at home, with your son, when you're at home with your son, mm-hmm. what are some of your personal challenges with managing this disorder? Like on your frustrating days, what's what's a, can you give me like a contrast between a really good day 
in a really rough day. And on those really rough days, what you do to kind of take the edge off or how you overcome, how you persevere against those type of days. Okay. Um, so now that he's 10, um, uh, his behavior can still be a challenge sometimes. So what I mean by that is he has meltdowns and the difference between a tantrum and a meltdown is a tantrum is basically a child that doesn't get their way. Right. And right. so they may kick, scream, roll around on the floor, whatnot. A meltdown is not controllable. Okay. So they're responding to some kind of stimulus, something that upset them or they're unable to transition well from one activity to another or from one you know, place to another. And they have a meltdown and that can look different um, for mm. every child. So for my son, <laughs> once he gets upset with something, he can literally be upset all day. Like one thing can mm. make him upset all day. So mm. if we have a bad morning at home, you know, I warn his teachers, you know, he may not have a great day today, you know. Ah, okay. And um, and so basically it's it's trial and error, you know. Right now it's like I learned that I've learned that helping him transition, so giving him cues like so in 10 minutes, you know, we're going to change and do something different. And I tell him what we're going to do. That works for us. Nice. Nice. You so know? you kind of give him a heads up so it's not jarring. Exactly. It's not like a jarring thing. To, he, he's kind of prepped to know like, okay, in 10 minutes, we're going to turn the television off. Or exactly. In 20, or, yeah. Yeah. Or in like 20 minutes, we're going to go to get a haircut or something like that. Mm-hmm. And surprisingly okay. enough, it works with my other children very well. <laughs> Okay. So, so let me ask you this. Do you, do you have a support system? Yes. And a support system is really important because it can be emotionally draining and stressful, you know, to, if you're dealing with it on your own, um, Mm. because it is very challenging to deal with. So I can imagine I have, my husband's great. Um, he's learning too how to the, the transitioning thing he came up with, um, like giving him a heads up on what we're gonna do before we do it. Um, right. So you know he learns just as much as I do. Um, my girls, oh, they are such a help. So they help him with the social interactions um, aspect. So he's gotten better at playing with other children because he's learned it by having a share space with them. And how old are his sisters? His sister, he's in the middle. So his younger sister's eight and his older sister is 11. And and he still has that repetitive behavior, which is funny. He likes uh, trailers, movie trailers. And he likes to act out certain scenes and they just hop right in there with them. (laughs) (laughs) but um my mother she comes and helps she's a outside of my husband and I she is the only person that I will allow to watch him um for long periods of time his teachers are amazing um we're always on the same page as far as his development and um and his future and at church they're always willing to learn 
Um, you know, new things about the about the disorder because we're starting to have more children with autism spectrum disorder in our church. And so right. they're starting to learn and, you know, and then they can understand him a bit better. So, gotcha. yeah, my so, support system's great. So it seems like you have support from family. You have support for on, the, on a spiritual level with, with your church. Um, and, you, and you have support at in the in the academic academic arena, mm-hmm. um, what is it like dealing with special education services within the school system? So, basically, when your child has autism spectrum disorder, they have what is called an IEP. So it's an individualized education plan. And so, what happens is you have to have a meeting, and this meeting has the child's teachers. Um, there's also the school psychologist. Um, if he has a speech therapist, the speech therapist is there. The occupational therapist is there. The principal is there. And in our IEP meetings, we have, so my son is in fourth grade. He's transitioning from fourth grade to fifth grade. So our IEP meeting that we had back in February, had we also had a, a regular fourth grade teacher in the meeting as well and so during this meeting we basically talk about um what we want him to accomplish in the next year so we talk about what he accomplished um as far as his previous iep and then we come up with a new one for the next year so what we want him to learn um and how well he's done with the previous task that we've already um, put on the previous IEP and that's and it's been great for me I know some people face a lot of challenges with these IEPs they're not on the same page the teachers don't agree or I've always been blessed that the teachers and we are always on the same page as far as his development um, so I've never gotcha. had any issue whatsoever with that but um, just his behavior sometimes <laughs> Um, being in a special education class so you can be in a mm-hmm. special education class or you can have you can be a special education student but be integrated into a regular classroom right gotcha gotcha okay but um he is still in a separate special education class which is awesome there's eight children in his class um there's a teacher and a teacher's assistant um his behavior sometimes can be a bit of a challenge, but we're all learning on what works. And the best thing about it is, is making sure that everybody's on the same page with dealing with his behavior. So Mm -hmm. making sure that if they're doing like a behavior chart, that I'm doing the behavior chart at home. So we need to all be doing the same thing because these kids thrive on routine. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, so, so that that brings in a good point because 2020 has already been a challenging year, <laughs> yes. right? Like, like it's thrown everybody's uh, routine off, mm-hmm. right? Everybody is like out of work or at home and trying to figure out what to do next. So, how does that affect your son's education? I mean, because I would imagine that some of it it, it needs to be one on one, face to face, hands on, right? Right. Right. So can you can you kind of expound upon like the challenges with with living in a post COVID era 
with a son with autism? Oh, man. <laughs> it has been difficult. Um, the Like I said, they, these kids thrive on um, routine. So they've basically been jerked out of that routine all of a sudden. And now they're at home, <laughs> you know, essentially probably 24 hours a day, every day. And so mm-hmm. it is difficult to teach what, like in a special education setting, it's very difficult to mm-hmm. teach via virtual, you know, virtual education. It's very hard to teach that way. So his teacher is great. She does um, these videos and she does them every day and he'll put his headphones on and, <laughs> and he'll, I'll hear him saying words and interacting on the video, which is awesome. But um, it has it has been a challenge. So the speech therapy has been a challenge. Um, Normally, they pull him out one on one and have speech therapy with him. And, you know, in this setting, when he's at home, he doesn't even want to go to school at all. (laughs) <laughs> you know <laughs> so right. some days some days we don't do the virtual learning at all because he's just not having it um wow. and then some days it's great he'll hop on there he'll do it all and he'll you know he's happy i'm i'm done you know it has been wow. it has been a challenge it has been a so, challenge so what i'm what i'm kind of gathering and we're we're getting ready to wrap up but what i'm kind of gathering is in order for you to be successful, well, not necessarily for you to be successful, but it helps in the success of the child is to have a team of people mm-hmm. around the child with a unified with a unified curriculum and goal for the child every year. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Okay. So, all right. So let me ask you this as we wrap up. As we wrap up, as we as we as we close, mm-hmm. um, what advice can you give to parents who have a child who has been diagnosed with autism? If you could encourage them in any kind of way, what would you tell them? Um, I would tell them to start now. So if you've just gotten a diagnosis, I mean, you want to learn what you can. Um, the doctor will probably, your child's pediatrician will probably recommend early intervention services. You need to, um, talk to them as soon as possible. Um, get every service that you qualify for. I don't care if it's a grant that has a two-year waiting period, go ahead and sign up for it. (laughs) You know, um, if they have an autism society in their area, they are very helpful. Um, generally these are people that have or have have adult children or have children with autism spectrum disorder they've been through all of this before they can help you um they have child care services for certain age groups so if you have one Mm. of those in your area link up with them as soon as possible and just see how they can help you they will know a lot of um, things that you want as far as getting services and help for your child Um, and basically just be present you know, learn what your child likes, um, you know, try to treat them as normal as possible and enjoy their time. Um, it's difficult for, um, it's hard to explain, you know, having a special, you know, child is, uh, special needs, 
you know, to someone who doesn't have, you know, has a neurotypical child. But um, my friend gave me this passage um, a couple years back and it explains it perfectly. And I just want to read it for you really quickly, if that's possible. Sure, would love to hear. Would love to hear. <laughs> so it's called Welcome to Holland. It's by Emily Pearl Kingsley. And she wrote it in 1987. And she said, I'm often asked to describe the experience of raising a child with a disability to try to help people who have not shared that unique experience, to understand it, to imagine how it would feel, is like this. When you're going to have a baby, it's like planning a fabulous vacation trip, right? To Italy, let's say Italy. You buy a bunch of guidebooks and make your wonderful plans, the Colosseum, the Michelangelo David, um, the gondolas in Venice. You may learn some handy phrases in Italian. It's all very exciting, right? After months of eager anticipation, the day finally arrives. You pack your bags and you go off. Several hours later, the plane lands. The plane lands. The stewardess comes in and says, "Welcome to Holland." Holland, you say? What do you mean, Holland? I signed up for Italy. It's supposed to be in Italy. I'm supposed to be in Italy right now. All my life, I've dreamed of going to Italy, but there's been a change in flight plan. They've landed in Holland, and there you must stay. So the important thing is that you haven't, they haven't taken you to somewhere horrible, disgusting, filthy place, right? Um, full of pestilence, famine, and disease. It's just a different place. So you must go out, buy new guidebooks, and you must learn a whole new language, and you will meet a whole new group of people you would never have met. It's just a different place. It's slower paced than Italy, less flashy than Italy. But after you've been there for a while and you catch your breath, you look around and you begin to notice that Holland has windmills and Holland has tulips. Holland even has Rembrandts. But everyone you know is busy coming and going from Italy. And they're all bragging about what a wonderful time they've had there. And for the rest of your life, you will say, yes, that's where I was supposed to go. That's what I had planned. And the pain of that will never, ever, ever, ever go away. Because the loss of that dream is very, very significant loss. But if you spend mm. your life mourning the fact that you didn't get to Italy, you may never be free to enjoy the very special, the very lovely things about Holland. And that's wow. that's what it's like. <laughs> wow. Wow. Well, Sherry, thank you so much for coming onto the teacup show and providing your perspective. And I hope that there was something that uh, the listeners heard that will encourage them and teach them uh, that life is not over just because you have a child with autism. And I, and I hope that um, they learn something from your experience and uh, they, they stay encouraged again. Thank you so much. And I look forward to having you in the show on the show in the future. All right, take care.